It's great to be with you guys. We've got a little water hole here. I like that. That's good. Um, I was going to highlight the same thing, man. Let's do a mini sermon real quick. You already got it twice. You're going to get it three times here. That song, let me tell you, it is a choice. There's going to come up. It's easy. It's pretty easy. Maybe not super easy, but it's pretty easy right now in this situation, in this building, all these people around you to choose to worship. There's going to be a day that's not so easy. And remember, it is a choice. David encouraged himself in the Lord. He stirred himself up. He said, I'm going to choose to praise. So there's going to be a day where it's not so easy. Sing for joy when your heart is heavy. And listen, sometimes you might not be able to do it yourself. You might be too weak. You might be too beat up. You might be too down. Get around people who will. Go lay down in the back of a church pew if you have to. Put some worship music on. I remember times being so low and so... Uh, just beat up by life. Like, I can't even worship, Lord. I just put random. I can't even pick a song. I just put random worship on. I say, like, God, you got to minister to me or I'm done. Choose worship. All right, so uh, uh, who, was, who was at Camp Judah this year? Let me see. Let me see you again. I'm Makai. You got all these guys right here. You love you guys. So listen, Camp Judah, it's next summer. Uh, I think we got to change up some things as we're going to make it even better, make it a little longer. Um, if you want to affect young people's lives, get some real-world real world ministry uh, opportunities, Camp Judah is a, place, a great place to go. You can come be a counselor, be with kids for five days, get to minister to them, get to preach to them, get to prophesy over them. Um, it is amazing. I believe there's some uh, track or some policy that can be part of an internship, if I'm not mistaken. So talk to somebody who knows more than me about that, but it can actually help your uh, Elam uh, career, Elam success. Um, if you want to know about that, ask someone who was there. You can come see me after if you want to. But Camp Judah has been a great part. It's where many of the people I know uh, heard from the Lord and got a call for their life and gave clarity and had a real experience with Jesus. And, man, leading young teenagers to that, that's powerful. I've had years, 10, 10, 20 years later, I've had people come up to me, man, you don't might not remember, but you were my counselor. You said X, Y, Z to me, and that really like what? Like that's amazing. How did you know? I was just a dumb kid? I don't know what I was saying. Like I was just trying to do my best there. Um, so Camp Jude is awesome. Um, but this morning, I want to share with you guys uh, just something from an older guy to a younger guy. Now I know I might not look forty-one, right? My, my guy right here. All right. I started, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to talk to these guys like a big brother. And I was like, yeah, yeah, uh, f- twice their age, big brother. That's not a big brother. That's a, that's a parent. So let's pretend I'm, I'm not 20 years older than you. And I am a bit, let's call uncle. Let's go with uncle. All right, we'll just go with an, an older uncle, guy who's been around a little bit longer. But let me share some things. Um, you know, I was, I was praying about what to share with you guys, and I thought I had an idea. And I felt like God just wanted me to share some basic truths with you. Some things that, like my goal, my heart, is to see you guys be successful today, 10 years and 50 years. That's what I want to see. That's what I want for you. I want you to get to the end of your life like Paul did. He said, I have run the race. I want you to get to age 40 and look back at half your life and go, I'm pretty happy. I made, I'm, I'm really happy with those decisions. I'm happy with where I am. I see what God's used me for, and I see more that he wants to use me. I didn't really start preaching until I was 39, 40 years old. Not that I preached a ton, but um, God has 
changed and done more things with me as I've gotten older. And I want to see that for you guys. So I just want to share, share a few things with you. There's two big things I want to talk about today. The first thing is you must become Bible literate. Bible literate. You must become Bible literate. The second thing is being discipled and mentored by someone who knows more than you is by far one of the most valuable things you can do for yourself. It'll put you on the fast track. Now, fast track, fast track might be 10 years, okay, but it was going to be 20 before. So God's not always quick. God plays the long game. That's the thing I've learned as I've gotten older. I was like, oh, I thought you were going to do that yesterday. He's like, no, I'm going to do that in like 15 years. Are you cool with that? I'm like, okay, well, I guess so. I really thought we could do this faster. But no, 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 you need more time. But being discipled, being mentored, these are two, well, really the same thing, crucial parts to your growth, your maturity, and your longevity as a Christian. So let's get into these a little bit. Bible literate. What do I mean by Bible literate? It means you regularly read the Bible with the purpose of understanding it. Right? You guys got to probably read for some classes. You read. You got to read the whole Bible through. You got to read for a, uh, maybe you're going to do like a little Bible study. You got to read for whatever, sermons, that kind of stuff. But do you read it with the purpose of understanding? Like I could read real fast. I didn't get a lot of it, but I read it. That's not always, that's not really the same thing. Reading the Bible with the purpose of understanding, slowly reading it, thinking about it. Now, look, I know you're at Bible college, and a lot of you be like, oh, yeah, I'm Bob, I know, I know, I know, I know this. I'm, I know the Bible. I know a lot of things. I'm totally Bible literate. But it's really easy to think you are because of the world we live in. The problem I see in today's world is we love our devotionals, we love our Christian books, we love our YouTube and TikTok preachers. We love for somebody else to do the work, myself included. We don't want to do the work ourselves. We prefer that somebody else hear from the Lord, break it down into bite-sized pieces, and spoon-feed it to us. That's really easy. I like that. I get, oh, what a revelation that guy had. I get to take that. I get to go tell my friend, like, Yo, I heard, no, I was praying this morning, just spending time with the, with the Lord. And boom, dropped some big thing that some guy prayed for 10 years for. And that's fine. You get, to, you get to benefit from somebody else's time with the Lord. That's a great thing about, I think that's a great thing about our society is that you can learn from other people very easily. But you have to do it for yourself. That's fine for baby Christians, but you didn't come here to leave baby Christians, Right? You came here to leave mighty men and mighty women of God leading yourself, your family, the people around you, the people God's called you to, the workplace you might find yourself in, the church you might find, the mission field, the school. God has called you to be mighty men and mighty women, whether that means you raise kids in your house or you're a CEO of a company, a pastor of a small church or a pastor of a giant church. You came here to be trained. You must know the Bible for you. It has to be for you. It can't be for the thing you're doing, the church you're going, the Bible study, the outstation, the I don't know what you guys do anymore. We had a bunch of stuff like that, but it doesn't, it can't be for the thing you're working on. It has to be for you. 
Let's look at a couple scriptures here. Matthew 10, 16. Matthew 10, 16. Jesus is sending out his disciples, and he says this to them. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Jesus is sending his disciples out. He's like, yo, it's going to be a little crazy out there, okay? These Jews, they, they think they know everything. They got all these traditions they made up. They got a bunch of things going on. When you go out there, they are going to hate you, okay? They're going to throw stuff at you. They're going to even try to kill you. So be wise. Be innocent. Be smart. Be wise. Matthew 22, 29. Matthew 22, 29. The religious leaders, they're questioning Jesus. This is always funny, right? I always picture this stuff in my head. Like there's times where like they're pushing up on Jesus. They're like trying to push him off a cliff, and he's just like, no, nah, I'm just going to go ahead, and I'll see you guys later. Like they're trying to kill him. Like how did he just walk through the crowd? Like how does this happen? So they're, they're pushing up on Jesus. They're questioning him. They're trying to trap him. And Jesus looks at him and goes, you guys are in error because you don't know the scriptures. You didn't study. You don't know the power of God. You don't know why I'm here. Say, so you're in error because you do not know the scriptures, the power of God. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. 7, uh, 24. It says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Okay? You can hear all you want. You've got to put it into practice. Is like a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it did not fall. I can attest to this. I've been through some stuff. I've been through some difficult times. I've been through trials and tribulations. When you build your house on the word of Jesus, and when you turn to him in even the smallest way, He does amazing things. So the house did not fall for it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. Storms of life came, come, came coming in, and they fell apart. Do you ever stand on the ocean, and the waves come in, you stand on the sand, and you're good? And then one wave comes and you're down a little bit. Another wave comes and it just washes the sand. That's what your life is like when you don't heed the words of Jesus. You have no foundation. Matthew 24, 24. Jesus is warning the disciples about the end times. Matthew 24, 24 says, For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect the Christians. So what he's saying is, and I don't know if we're in the end times now, but we're in more of the end times now than we were then. Is that fair? So Jesus is saying there's going to be false messiahs, false prophets, and the Christians are going to get deceived. That sounds crazy to me. But then I look around in our world and I'm like, actually, that doesn't look so crazy. I don't know if that guy's got it right. Why is knowing the Bible so important? As Jesus said, we need to be wise to know the scriptures. So you can build your house on a firm foundation and not be deceived. Jesus is going, I'm telling you right now, this is how you do it. It's right through the book of Matthew. 
and the other Gospels. Harmony of the Gospels. All four of them. Sister Brenda knows. You have to know the Scriptures. So be wise. Know the Scriptures. Build your house on a firm foundation so you won't be deceived. We have to build our house on His words. We have to build our foundation on His words. And this must be for you, not the church, not the work, not the ministry, for you. I'm telling you, it will spill out from you into all the other areas of your life, your workplace. It'll spill out into your home. It'll spill out into your friends when you're having dinner with someone. That stuff's just going to come out. The Holy Spirit is going to bring it back. This must be for you. You must read the Bible for yourself. Isaiah 5. 20 verse 21. Isaiah 5 verse 20, 21. It says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Boy, if this isn't today's world, how many, you can't turn on the news Without seeing someone going, calling an evil thing good and a good thing evil. Things that we have uh, read in the scriptures are going, well, this is terrible. This is, this is all, this is not who God called, this is not God. This is, he's calling evil good and good evil. We study his word. This is how we avoid. It says, woe to those who do this. Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. Woe to those. How do we avoid this warning? We study his word so you can carry it in your heart. You digest his word. You spend time in his word to, to carry it in your heart. And so when people come along and say, I know you all been studying the Bible for 6,000 years, but I got a new understanding. We're going to go this way. You go, what the? Are you crazy? What, 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 what is happening over here? So often... And this is a part of growth. Our feelings come into conflict with God's word. You ever, have you had that? I mean, think about it, right? You've read the God's word, you go, what? Well, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel, that doesn't, that, that, my, my emotions, that doesn't, that doesn't line up. And what can happen is when your feelings come into conflict with God's word, you can't let the feelings win. When your feelings come into conflict with God's word, as you study it, it will happen because you'll have this world around you telling you what God's word is saying. Except it's not God. It's the world. When you come into conflict with God's word, it's time to get some working. It's time to go to work. It's time to get some study done. <clears throat> How you feel doesn't matter. The truth of God isn't swayed by feelings. It's not swayed by emotions. Some people think they're more just than God. Man, it's scary. I'm not saying we're going to understand everything and know everything and have it. But his ways are higher than ours. You have to trust his word. If you don't understand in the Bible, go ask somebody. Find, you're at a good place right here to figure some stuff out. You got questions in the Bible? You got stuff that doesn't make sense to you? I, there's probably 20 people. Half of them are in this room right now. You could go talk to them and say, uh, this looks like nonsense. Can we, can we figure this out, please? I don't understand what's happening here. Go figure it out. Ask the questions. Get out your concordance. You all got a, you probably your app, right? You got an app at least. No? All right. 
Get out your concordance. Do a little bit of study. Try and figure out what's happening. God is big enough for your doubts. We're all going to have doubts. We're all going to wrestle. I don't know. Any of you guys older than me, you, are you done wrestling with stuff? Have you figured it all out? Have you arrived? No, I'm seeing a bunch of no's. Okay, so if they haven't figured it out, then you have to, it's a whole life. Don't be afraid of the doubts. Go figure it out. You need people around you who have proven themselves to be trustworthy over time so you can go and get wise counsel. And even then, you must know the word of God. You have to be able to look at the Greek and the Hebrew, have some understanding of the original words, learn to use commentaries. You have to figure out how to do this for yourself. It has to be for you. It has to be for you. You have to be at a place where you can read the Bible and hear from the Lord so when you hear a lie, you know when it's counterfeit. There was a young girl, uh, she finished college, and she was uh, looking for a job, had a hard time finding a job. Finally got a job at a bank. It's like, all right, that's not really what was on my top ten things of places I wanted to work after college, but here we are. And, um, she said, well, I like working at the counter, at the, at the window. I get to talk to people, I get to interact with people. I like that part. That sounds interesting. So she goes through the regular training, and she gets, uh, gets through that basic training, and then she... Uh, gets put in the back room. They're like, all right, we just want you to count this money and, you know, for a couple of days. And she's like, count money? And so they give her all kinds of bills. They give her ones, fives, tens, twenties, fifties, hundreds, like old bills, new bills, beat up bills, dirty bills, cut bills, tape back together bills. And she's just in there counting money all day. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Why am I here? What are we doing? Don't we have money counters? Like, what, what's happening here? And finally, they put her in the window and she's fine. She's happy. She's like, okay, my training is done. I counted all their money. Here we go. Now I can start interacting with people. And within the first week, some guy walks in, dressed well, puts an envelope down. Hey, how are you doing today? I want to deposit my, some money here. And she takes it out and she starts counting and her heart sinks. And she's like, oh, my goodness. This is all counterfeit. She knew right away. She had spent so much time dealing with the real thing, she knew right away when the counterfeit showed up. I'm from Buffalo. Uh, we had a rough night. We had a rough night last night. I don't know if you all know. Some of you found Some of you know. Sheesh. My boy Josh Allen got had a rough day. I don't know if you got any Jets fans in here. You guys had a rough day, too. I feel for you, man. That's a tough, you got the win, but sheesh, you lost your, you lost your guy there. So um, anyway, I'm from Buffalo, and um, I live in Warsaw now, and um, about 40 minutes away. And um, one of the things about Buffalo is we have a General Mills factory. And if you are downtown, when they're making cereal, the whole downtown smells like cereal. It's amazing. It's like Cheerios and some mix of Cheerios and Honey Puffs, and I don't know what it is, but it's like, it's glorious. You just walk around, especially on a warm summer night, just like, that smells good. Give me some cereal. And uh, I ran into a guy once who, he's a supervisor at, one of the, at the factory, and he was telling me, 
he was driving into work super early in the morning. He's driving in, and he knows where, like, the smell line is. Like, you know where, the, like, where he crosses over. He's like, I know where I'm going to start to smell those Cheerios right about now. So he gets to that part, and he smells. He's like, yeah, it smells a little bit different. There's something strange about that. He gets to the factory. He starts looking around, and he realizes that some of the ingredients, one of the ingredients they were using had gone bad, and they're making this whole batch. And so they get it all shut down, get it all cleaned out, everything. And they do an investigation after. And what they found was that the people who were working there, they had a lot of turnover recently. And so they were new. And they didn't really know a whole lot about the process or what it's supposed to look like. It also was the overnight shifts. A lot of them were tired. And then one of the supervisors had called off too. So all the people that knew what the product was supposed to be weren't there. And he asked him, he's like, didn't you guys smell that something was wrong? Like, didn't you, didn't you notice that something didn't look right or didn't smell right? I was like, well, it looked, it smelled, it's, yeah, it was a little different, but I didn't know it was wrong. He's like, well, I knew because I'm here every day. I've been here for 10 years. The point of that story is sometimes the devil just, he doesn't take a huge swipe. It just takes a little bite. It just twists a little truth. And you're like, well, I, I guess it, it looked a little bit different, but I, I, you know, I guess I, I don't know the real thing well enough to be able to pick out the counterfeit, the thing that's gone bad, the twisted truth. You have to know the real thing. The, there's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. You have to know the real thing for yourself so when then a counterfeit comes along, you go, hold up, that's nonsense. You have to know the real thing. When someone comes along and says, I got a new truth. I understand the Bible in a new way. You guys all missed it for 6,000 years. You go, uh-uh. I've been reading the real thing for too long, brother. We need to heed the words of Jesus here. So we are not deceived and so we can build a good foundation. This world is wild. Why? I could not have imagined what we're dealing with today. Could not have imagined when I was sitting in your chair. When storms come, when the counterfeit comes, when storm comes, when difficult things come, and Jesus says, when, by the way, not if you have hard times, he said, when. When that stuff comes, your house has to be built on more than TikTok preachers and devotionals. Those things are good. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying it can't be what you build your foundation on. You have to do the work for yourself. Build your house on the rock. The things we have, I mean, honestly, you know, YouTube, I listen to YouTube preachers. My social media has preachers on it, has, you know, different Christian things so that my social media is not just about me or escape. I'm actually learning something. I'm not saying those things are bad. Devotionals are good. Books are good. You should learn from somebody else. But it can't be the only place. You have to do it for yourself. You have to be able to navigate. If your feet are not planted, it's going to get real tough. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I'm telling you, you're not going to see the whole path. My friends over here, you, how often do you see the whole path? No, you see like, you're, sometimes you're lucky to see a foot in front of you. 
That's faith, that's trust, that's part of the walk. His, land, his, his word will guide you. Sometimes you're like this with, the, with the, like a lantern, just like, oh, sheesh, I can't see a dang thing. You got to walk and trust. So how? How do you become Bible literate? Read the Bible all the way through. That's real. Is that a class requirement? Do you guys have that? I know we did. That was a tough one. It was like 11 chapters a day, I think. I can't remember. But look, I understand when you're reading the Bible through. So there's two types of reading the Bible. It's like reading it through, and I think it's really good. I don't know how often you should do it, but you should do it. And to know and have the context of the whole thing, just see the whole story. But also, reading it through slowly with the purpose of understanding. So here's what I do. I'm going to give you a real practical. I love practical. I want to be real practical. This is exactly what I do. So I get up. I get my coffee. If it's nice out, I go outside, uh, which we're about to. I'm about to start grieving. I don't know about you guys, but, like, when, like, it gets darker early, it starts to get colder. Like, I go through, like, a month of legit, like, grieving uh, every fall with cold and winter coming and all that stuff. But so what I do is um, I, have, uh, I have my phone, which has this app. It's called, uh, it's called Touch Bible. All right? It's a great app. Touch Bible app is free. It's a concordance, basically. And I have a commentary, or I've got a, a right now I'm using a um, uh, Haley's Bible handbook. Um, it's my dad. My dad passed away when I was 14. It's one of the few things I have from him. Uh, and it's from 1974, which I think is just really cool. This is like family book that I now study God's Word in. And um, so uh, I'll, I'll, what I'll do is I'm reading through Galatians right now. So I'll read the passage about that chapter. Galatians 5, and then I go, I'm like, oh, I had no idea this was happening in the church. That's what that means? Oh, my gosh. I had to read, how many times did I read this? I had no idea. The context matters. Who's the ball? Who wrote it? Who, where were they, were they when they wrote it? Who were they writing to? What were the problems in that church at that time? What was happening in that area? What were the customs and traditions? Why did they do the things they said they would do? Understand the context. I read the chapter. I read it to understand. When I don't understand something or I wonder about a word, I'll go over to Touch Bible, get a concordance out, and look at the Greek or Hebrew and go, oh, that's what that word means. Sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a perfect translation. Other times I'm like, oh, that really expounds on what the translation is. So that's what I do. So read the Bible all the way through. Read it with the purpose of understanding it and ask people who know more than you questions. You want a key to life? Ask people who know more things than you questions about everything. About everything. It is one of the best things you can do. This leads me to the other thing I want to encourage you with. Is you got to be discipled. You need a mentor in your life. And you're going to have different people that speak into you at different times. And I'm talking about some one person for some period of time that is going to pour themselves into you. This is how the early church was built. Jesus did it with the disciples. And we see this throughout the whole Bible. Elijah, Elisha, Elisha, Jesus, the disciples, Paul, Timothy, goes on and on. You need to develop how to understand the Bible and hear from God. When you're young, under the age of 30, you need people to bounce off stuff. That's a loose judgment there on what ages should be. But I'm telling you, medically... Your brain doesn't develop until your mid-20s. All right, I literally remember the day 
that I was with my friends, and I said this, this, this sentence for the first time, and I was shocked by what came out of my mouth. I said, hey, guys, I don't think that's a good idea. Somebody might get hurt. <laughs> Who said that? I remember thinking to myself, I have never thought that thought in my whole life. I definitely wasn't thinking that thought when I was riding mattresses down the admin building. Allegedly. Listen, your brain is not developed yet, all right? You need people. You think you know a lot of things, all right? I know this is hard to hear, okay? I know that you're starting to be at an age where you start to go, oh, I guess I didn't know everything. You need people in your life. I need people in my life, all right? When I'm 60, I want people in my life who know more. This is a, this is a cheat code to life. People who have more wisdom than you it is a cheat code. It will accelerate you. It may not feel fast, but it will accelerate you to getting where God wants you to go because they're going to see things in your life that you can't see. People who have lived longer than you carry some level of recognized wisdom, all right? Don't just go pick some random person, someone you respect, someone who you respect. Uh, people you respect, respect this person. Not a parent, although I hope you have good relationships with your parent. But you need someone outside of that. Someone who's walked with Jesus longer than you, all right? Your buddy is not your mentor. They're about as dumb as you. Sometimes. I did have some friends saying, hey, you probably shouldn't ride the mattress down the stairs. I don't think that's a good idea. I guess their brain developed faster than mine. So someone who's not a parent, someone who's walked with Jesus longer than you, someone who is well-respected and trusted by others. And if you're not sure who those people are, you don't have, you feel like, I don't have anybody in my life. Well, first of all, you're here, and I can tell you there's at least 10 or 20 people around that can be this person for you. But a great, uh, a great uh, scripture uh, passage to use is, is 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is laying out guidelines for deacons. I actually think this is a great, um, you know, line to draw uh, and a measuring stick for people to find who's a good mentor. You need good relationships. You have to know the Bible for yourself, and you need good relationships and good mentors and people discipling in your life. Listen, nothing will derail you faster. Listen, nothing will derail you faster than the wrong relationships. Right? Come on. We all, we, the wrong relationships, and that doesn't necessarily mean a boyfriend, girlfriend, couple thing. It can be just friends. The wrong relationships will derail you faster than almost anything else. You've got to get that right. And that's not easy. And some of you are thinking right now, like, oh, Lord, he's talking to me. Do the thing you got to do. If you're not sure how, go talk to someone who knows more than you. Nothing will derail you faster than the wrong relationships. And then and the inverse, the right relationships will not only keep you on the right path, but will actually accelerate your path. You need good people around you, trusted people, speaking wisdom and life into your life. Trusted people. Sometimes our feelings are really loud. 
Anybody else feel like that? I know people who are black and white. My pastor, super black and white. I don't think he feels anything. Sometimes I'm like, bro, how do you just like, it's just like, that's it? That's, you don't think about that anymore? There's no gray in this? It's, no, it's black and white. I'm not that way. My emotions and my feelings get real loud sometimes. And that's why I have people in my life that I can go to and go, hey, what do you think about this? Oh, that's stupid. I probably won't say stupid, but, you know, they go, hey, man, that's, that's not what God's called you to. That thought pattern, that's because when you were a kid, X, Y, Z happened, and now you, everything you think happens this way. You need people in your life to call that stuff out. Our feelings and emotions get real loud. And I need someone to help keep me straight. So a few things a mentor and a disciple will do for you. Someone who's discipling you. It's someone you don't keep secrets from. Oof. Pass. That's not an easy one. Someone who can ask you any question at any time. Also not fun. But it's necessary. You need someone that loves you enough to go, hey, brother, this thing, you got to deal with it. Someone to help keep you accountable. Someone to stand with you. You know, one of the things that was most difficult in my life is I have a, a 10 year, he's almost 11 now, he's doing great. He's had three open heart surgeries, three. We've spent about a year of his life in the ICU at different chunks of time. You need people to stand with you. I remember. Mm, I remember we were heading towards this really good thing. My son was going to, he's been on dialysis for a long time. And we were about to come off, permanently come off dialysis. And two days before the surgery to remove the, the port that's on, that, that, that he, he lives with, two days before we found out that his body was not actually handling being off dialysis and we had to continue it. And I remember sitting in the back of, I was just sitting on the floor and I called my pastor. And I'm just crying. And I'm saying, this is bad and this is bad. How could God, you know, I still feel this stuff. How could, how could this happen? And he just went, bro, you don't know what God can do. You don't know. What, how God can use this. And he spoke life. He spoke hope into me when I was mad, when I was hurt, when it didn't make sense. I had someone in my life that goes, well, I'm standing with you, and I'm going to help you back up. I'm going to walk with you. You need that. People who can bring up issues in your life. You need to change. I can remember driving with uh, someone who was mentoring me, and we were having a discussion. He goes, you know why? I was like, well, why do I? Because you're selfish. Mm. Me? Like, I think you got the wrong guy, man. I'm, I'm looking, you know, I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I worship. Okay. You're still selfish. And we talked through that. I said, all right, all right, be teachable. I was trying to be teachable. I said, all right, lay it out for me. He said, well, A, A B, C, X, Y, Z, and went through the whole alphabet. And then he followed up with me. I said, all right, I'm going to work on these things. And then a few weeks later, guess what? He followed up. How's that going? Well, it's going like this. All right, here's some ways. This is what that relationship looks like. It's someone who can keep you on the right path. I was, uh, I was dating my now wife. 
And I went to my mentor, and I was like, ah, I think I'm out. I think I'm done. Like, this chick, like, I don't think it's working out. And he's like, hmm, okay. <laughs> All right, well, let me tell you how you're wrong. Now, he was careful not to tell me what to do, which I also think is an important thing. It's not a, it's not a control thing. That's dangerous. But he said, man, I, I think you should rethink that, and here are some reasons why. And then I went to another friend, because I wasn't sure about him. Right, when someone doesn't tell you what you want to hear, you go find somebody else, right? And that other friend was like, dude, I'll kill you if you break up with her. I'll kill you if you break up. I was like, what the heck, Lord? I thought I knew. And I stuck, and I was like, all right, these are actually things inside of me. I'm terrified. I have fear. I have fear. And so I stuck with her, and about four months later, the Lord spoke so clearly to me. I can remember where I was, doing a job I hated, dirty job that I absolutely hated. Spoke to me in the middle of the day out of nowhere and said, I want you to marry her. I want you to ask her in two weeks. And that fear was gone. When God speaks to you, man, that thing is gone. And I, it took time for me to work through some of that fear. But then God finally was like, dude, you're done with that. And let me tell you, this woman... I think because I'm more of the more vocal one of the group, the group being two of us, um, <laughs> that I think being the more vocal one, she, people think that I'm the, I'm the strong one. But it's her, man. It's her. She is steady. I'm like this sometimes. And that girl is just like steady. It's exactly what I needed in so many ways. You got to have people around you. You got to have people around you. All right, let's wrap this up. I started by saying I want to impress a few things upon you. I want you to get where God is calling you to go. I want you to leave strong and mighty men and women. Here are two really good ways to do that. Become Bible literate. You must read it for yourself. If you don't know how, if everything I talked about today was, sounds crazy to you, go talk to someone who knows more than you, which is the second thing. You need to be trained. You need to be mentored. You need to be discipled. And not for weeks. I'm talking years. And you may have different people in your life. If you, ha you don't have that, start praying. God, ask somebody. God, send me someone. Go ask them. Oftentimes, God just doesn't go, boom, here you go. It's magic. Like, you got to go ask someone. Hey, will you speak into my life? Most good mentors are not going to just start speaking to you, start sowing into your life. They don't want to just do that. They want you to ask. They want to know that, that, that this is something you're looking for. So you've got to go ask them. Become Bible literate. Get into the Bible. Read with the purpose of understanding it. And ask someone to mentor you, to help you. So you can be wise, as Jesus said. Be wise in this world to know the scriptures and so that you can build your house on a firm foundation. And so when that counterfeit comes along and you're the guy in the pulpit, you know right away. Know him. Store that word in your heart. And God will lead you. God bless you guys. Thank you.